This is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. This podcast provides tips, tools, and inspiring stories for creating clarity around your calling, opening your heart to infinite possibilities, and enabling you to have the greatest impact on the world. I'm Julian Crossenhill, a certified spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, human design specialist, and founder of Pre-Survenana. And most recently, I've joined the faculty at Starseed Academy Coach Training. It's my mission to teach and guide others in living a spiritually aligned life that answers their unique calling. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Hi, on today's episode, I want to talk about what to do when your unique calling calls you into a position of leadership. And I think this is really important because when I talked about the work model being broken for most of us, I talked about, in particular, the vacuum of leadership, that there's a lot of um, bad leaders out there, leaders who don't inspire people, who don't lead by by example, who don't role model good, spiritually aligned leadership. And so I think leadership is a subject that is super important and that, you know, a lot of us could use some development on our leadership skills and especially when we're new to leadership. So on today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, my own story of how answering my unique calling led me towards stepping into leadership roles, both um, in the community, in my spiritual work and in my professional work. And then I'm going to talk about what some of the challenges that a lot of people face when they step into leadership roles and a little bit of some tips on how you can overcome those challenges. So let's dive right in. So leadership, you know, my first experience with leadership was in 1988, super introverted and shy student at the University of New Mexico who noticed that there were student groups for every denomination of Christianity on campus and nothing for the pagan students. So a small group of friends and I decided that we were going to start a um, pagan student union at the University of New Mexico. And it was interesting because I ended up being the president. Um, You know, nobody else wanted to do it. And I ended up being sort of the speaker for the group. So we filed our charter and there came uh, an area where we were supposed to be able to apply for funding and we had requested some um, office space in the student union building and some very small funding to put on some community events and we were denied saying that we were a religious group which of course was unfair because the other religious groups were receiving funding to put on events. And so we actually sued in the student Senate and won our case and received funding as a group. So, you know, kudos to me as a young, you know, 18 year old um, standing up not only for myself and, and my friends, but also for religious liberty. So, you know, and as early as 1988. So, you know, my calling continued to carry me into that leadership role on and off over the next several years. And in the early 2000s, um, I met my very good friend, Michael Lloyd, um, author of The Bull of Heaven. And um, Michael and I met at Pagan, before Pagan Spirit Gathering. He's actually the person who took me to my first um, large Pagan festival to Pagan Spirit Gathering. 
And we ended up being the co-coordinators for Rainbow Camp for Pig and Spirit Gathering for about eight years. We ran the LGBTQ plus encampment at Rainbow Camp and uh, provided programming and, you know, events for the LGBTQ plus community that was attending Pig and Spirit Gathering. And out of that work um, came the Between the Worlds Men's Gathering that Michael and I co-founded and co-facilitated for about 10 years. So that's an interesting story um, that also kind of really taps into how I leveraged my human design before I'd even heard the words human design. So a bunch of us were sitting around camp at Rainbow Camp, and some people were talking about how great it would be to have something like this, but only for gay and bi men, so that people could be really free about being um, queer, not feel awkward about, you know, kissing their partners or holding hands or any of those things. And, you know, they had been talking about it for a couple of years and they were talking about it again. And I was lit up about it. You know, I my sacral response was definitely there. And in true manifesting generator fashion, um, Charlene, who at the time was the president of the board of the event site where Pig and Spirit Gathering is was held at the time, was walking by and I called her name, called her over and said, hey, Charlene, we're going to have a festival. We'd like to have it here. What's involved? And that's how um, the Between the Worlds Men's Gathering actually started to, to come about is that, um, you know, I responded and took action, and Michael and I ran that event for 10 years. So in addition to my work in the spiritual community and leadership, and you know, it was always sort of an awkward growth experience for me because I was so extremely introverted. So being in the spotlight and in that position of leadership was often uncomfortable. But in my software engineering career, also, I ended up, you know, moving up through the ranks, you, you know, as you become more and more senior, other engineers start to ask you questions and look up to you. And eventually, you know, you have to make that decision. Am I just going to continue to be a really talented engineer? Or am I going to move into management and kind of work on the big picture and some of the more business side of, of things? And so I made that leap into management. Um, you know, doing some different management roles, tech lead, director of engineering, engineering manager, and even briefly, you know, a year stint as a CTO of a, of a um, software as a service company. And so leadership, you know, just is something that I've always sort of had woven throughout my calling and continuing to sort of lead today, both as, you know, a teacher who teaches other coaches, teaches people about human design and how to use human design in their business, coaches soulpreneurs and helps them learn how to more effectively run their spirituality-centered um, businesses. And now I'm also running the Wild Spirit Festival, which is another um, pagan spirituality festival that explores storytelling, ritual art, and movement in a context of goddess and nature spirituality in an outdoor environment for four, for five days. Um, and that's in September in Southeastern Ohio. And so, you know, just continuing to step into that leadership role and also noticing how much bad leadership there is out there has really made me, you know, brought me to this conclusion that, you know, answering your unique calling pretty much requires that you end up be becoming a leader of sorts. 
And I think that the reason that that is, is that the people who answer their unique calling are change catalysts. They are people who are accelerating change in the world. They're, you know, creating change that they want to see in the world. They're, they're role modeling what it means to live as nine-centered, energetic, spiritually aware beings. And that's a form of leadership in many ways. But in addition to that, many of them are stepping into this role of solopreneur, running spirituality-based businesses, um, doing other spiritual work in the community. And a lot of that requires leadership. It requires being a role model. So new leaders often struggle in particular. So, you know, I mentioned that when I first stepped into the leadership shoes um, and stepped into that role, I was very introverted and, and very shy. And I, you know, like really being in the spotlight was extremely uncomfortable for me. Um, and that's something that, you know, there's no quick tips or tools to really overcome. You just have to sort of face that fear and do it anyway. And that's really how I evolved as a leader is by just doing it, being a facilitator of a festival um, and being on the spot, having to make decisions as the festival was operating and running and, you know, make those decisions that represent, you know, affected the safety of our attendees, the reputation of the event, um, whether someone had a bad experience or a poor experience, you know, all of those things. And so it's just something that you sort of practice. And even as a spiritual life coach, you know, I struggled for a while with creating this podcast because I don't really like the way, the sound of my voice and putting myself out there was a little scary. Um, you know, I've, I struggled originally with going live on Instagram. And these are things that, you know, you just overcome the fear and you do it a few times and then it becomes easier each time. I think, though, that for new leaders in particular, there are three really three or four really core areas that they struggle and so the first core area that I think people struggle with is just, you know, really stepping into leadership and from a place of authenticity. So a lot of people believe, and I think corporate America kind of teaches this, that once you become a leader or a manager, you can't be friendly. You can't, you have to sort of shut off all of your personal and sort of show up as this automaton who's going to make decisions and lead a team. And I found in my software engineering career that that doesn't actually work as a way to lead people. You have to lead from a place of authenticity. You have to be willing to say, I don't know this, or, hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Let's get the smart people in here and, and talk through this. Um, and so you have to sort of lean into that authenticity. And of course, if you've listened to any of my podcasts or been on my website, you know that my answer for getting in touch with your authentic core coming from a place of authenticity always leads back to human design. And I think that that's the case for leaders too. I think the most adept and potent leaders really understand their personal nature. They understand their human design and they lean hard into their strengths of their design. And they also use any openness in their human design chart as a gift for being able to really amplify and empathize um, with the energy of the people that they lead. So another area that I believe new leaders often struggle with is around um, having difficult 
conversations. So difficult conversations is something that I often mentored new managers who worked under me on because it's, you know, one of the least pleasant aspects of leadership is telling someone that you're not going to be able to complete a project on time because of something unexpected, um, telling someone that what they expect isn't going to happen, telling someone that they're not meeting expectations or doing what they need to be doing. You know, there's all these various scenarios that really involve getting into that place of having a difficult conversation with someone, of telling someone something they don't want to hear and dealing with any pushback or emotional, um, you know, feedback that comes from their side. And I think that there's a couple of ways that you really um, begin to embrace difficult conversations. So first of all, have them early. The longer you wait to have a difficult conversation, the harder it becomes, and the more it increases the likelihood that the other person's going to have um, a less than ideal reaction to it. So I find having those conversations as soon as you're aware of a need to have a difficult conversation is always best. Secondly, I think that you have to realize that when you go into that difficult conversation that you are delivering information, you are delivering facts, you are informing the other person that something unexpected has come up, that's, that a deadline is going to be missed, you know, you're, you're doing doing your due diligence with the other person and any like anger or extreme response on their part is, is their issue. It is not your issue. And a good leader, you know, doesn't take those things personally, because believe me, you're going to have people upset with you as soon as you become a leader. We're not um, always going to be popular and we're not always going to be the person who everyone loves. And there's a certain level of acceptance that has to come with that and being okay with maybe not being liked all the time. And that's really, at essence, what true leadership is about, is really standing in our authenticity, standing in our power, and knowing that not everyone's going to like us 100% of the time because we are in a leadership role and we have to sometimes do things that make us unlikable by people who have certain agendas. So I think another area that new leaders really struggle with is managing expectations. Um, People like to project their expectations onto others and in particular onto leaders. And I think it's really important that we manage those expectations, that we, you know, don't try to be Superman or take it all on or to represent ourselves as the smartest guy in the room. So I learned one of these things in particular from Selena Fox of Circle Sanctuary, who for many, many years has run a pagan spirit gathering. And, you know, one of the expectations that you often get as a leader is that if someone gives you feedback, you know, particularly as a community leader, um, if someone gives you feedback about something, you know, that you as the leader are going to take that feedback and immediately implement it for them. And so a lesson I learned from watching Selena is that that's not the truth. And as a leader, you don't have to implement every feedback that's given to you. And so one of the things that Selena would often do is when people would come to her with these great ideas of things they'd like to see at Pagan Spirit Gathering, she would listen very closely and very patiently 
And then she would say, that's a really great idea. Would you like to volunteer to organize that? And, you know, just by putting that back on the other person, she was very clearly managing expectations of her leadership. You know, you could give her her feedback and she would hear it and she would make space for things that people offered to be implemented, but she wasn't going to necessarily implement it herself. And so that's, I think, an excellent example of managing expectations in a technique that I've actually adopted myself in my community leadership work. So, um, and then finally, I think the other big area that new leaders really struggle with is managing stress. Being in the leadership role can be very stressful. People are looking to you often to make decisions, to have solutions, and it can be a stressful um, role. It, people And it can be more stressful, especially if you believe that you have to have all the solutions, if you have to be the person that does and implements everything, because that's not true leadership. True leaders are facilitators who are really skilled at getting the right people together to come up with a solution and plot out the actions that the group needs to take in order to achieve it. That's really your job as a leader. You're not really like lording it over people, telling them what to do. You're not solving the problems yourself. You're facilitating the solutions by bringing the right people together to you know, come up with the solution and, and plan the action. And then you're managing, you know, making sure that the actions all happen in the right timing to do that. And so managing stress, I think that new leaders who don't really understand that their role is primarily as a facilitator can be a real issue. And so, first of all, try to step out of that role of needing to be the smartest person or the guy with the solutions or the person who does it all. That's going to greatly reduce your stress if you can let go of that. Um, and then secondly, you know, I think this is where mindfulness and meditation was really helpful for me, particularly working in the software industry. Um, you know, that can be a very stressful role. There are, there are deadlines or a lot of expectations and leadership can be very stressful in that. And so my meditation and mindfulness and just taking time out to focus on my breath and just sort of get calm before I responded to things or went into meetings was really often a godsend for me in my career. And so I think that, you know, developing a mindfulness and meditation practice, even if it's just taking two or three minutes of focusing on your breath before a meeting is going to really help you manage stress. So just kind of in conclusion, you know, I, I want to really stress that I believe that people who are answering their unique calling today are being called into a unique position of leadership in their spiritual communities, in their jobs, in their businesses, in their regular communities, in their mundane lives, um, because they're meant to be catalysts for the coming evolutionary changes and spiritual changes coming into our world. And in order to do that, we need really spiritually aligned, empowered leaders who can facilitate, you know, finding the solutions to the problems that our world is facing. And new leaders often, when they step into that role for the first time, they struggle with, you know, the fear of being seen, being authentic, you know, stepping really into that authentic core. They struggle with having difficult conversations, with managing expectations and managing stress. And it doesn't need to be that way. Um, there are lots of resources for new leaders. There are, you know, 
obviously, I very strongly believe in coaching for new leaders. And I often coached in my software career, I coached younger managers on how to be a good leader as well. Um, so, you know, coaching is something that can really help you if you're a new leader developing, reading books, practicing, you know, watching other leaders. I certainly learned a ton um, about being a spiritual community leader from watching other more established leaders like Selena Fox um, work, and that was really helpful. So there's lots of resources out there for you to develop as a leader. Um, and if you'd like to book a clarity call with me and, you know, just sort of talk about where you are in your leadership journey and where you'd like to be, um, you know, you can do that on my website. So I really encourage every one of you who's, you know, stepping into answering your unique calling or running your solopreneur business to really think about how are you as a leader? How are your leadership skills? Where are you struggling? Where do you need to improve? Because it's going to really be critical in the coming evolution of our consciousness. Bright blessings. You can reach me at the, on the web at priestofanana.com. That's priestofanana, I-N-A-N-N-A.com. I'm also on Instagram, username priestofanana. Are you a soulpreneur? You've answered your unique calling by starting a spirituality-based business. Maybe now you find yourself overwhelmed. There's so much to do for your business and so many things you've never done before that you need to learn how to do. With an ever-growing to-do list, you may feel like you'll never get everything done. Decisions become complicated and you may feel like you need to work all the time. Even worse, our old friend imposter syndrome hooks his head up, you struggle with your pricing, and every business coach on the planet wants to sell you a marketing system. I've been there. It's why I've created my Soulpreneur Energetic Success Program. This coaching program helps you use your human design, storytelling, ritual, and transformational coaching to build your Soulpreneur business. Discover how to make the best decisions for you, how to find the most aligned action to take, overcome imposter syndrome, confidently charge what your services are worth, and move forward with ease and grace. Visit my website, www.priestofanana.com to schedule a free intro call.